0: Boom, just like that. We're on. And we are. It's a long time in the making, Joe. Farewell. It it's a long been. time in the making. It has been. Like it took a year and a half to get yeah. to this. Yeah. I'll take the blame, all of it.
1: No, you can't take all of it because I'll take 88% like, of it. Uh, yeah, 88% <laughs> is fair. That, That's absolutely a fair number <laughs> because there's been like 12% where I was here and didn't actually text you. So.
0: Damn, that's not right. I, well. I know. Well, yeah, I'd like to, but I did this. I'm time. gonna dial back the blame then to, to, to a 57. <laughs> no, no, it's 88. All right, I'll let you have the final ruling. Well, it's good to see you, man. Likewise, brother. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So you're in town for the Shot
1: Show. Indeed. Is it still going on? It is going on. I took this morning off. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go spend like some time that. with
0: John. I like that. Thank yeah. you. Very good. Uh, so what's your day to day like at the Shot Show? You're there at a booth representing someone.
1: Well, the Shot Show is it's a shit show honestly <laughs> it's it's that's more accurately describing it but um, i bounce around from a couple of different booths um i'm there with cobalt kinetics for my rifles uh alice Gunworks for pistols uh radco clp for the the gun lube side of things but uh, i i get around too and i get to you know, part of it's meeting new people, seeing old friends, and yeah. having a good time. So
0: now You mentioned Atlas, and you showed me that bad boy that's <laughs> sitting behind you, and I thought I gave you the accurate pricing for that little piece right there. I was like, man, that's expensive, huh? About 2K? And you were like, uh, no, and you corrected me. A little with,
1: higher, 88% more. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, about 6,500.
0: But it feels amazing, and now I'm thinking, do they have layaway? Because I'm going to have to have one of these.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, if you order one. One. you can do your deposit and then yeah. 90 days later you get the gun and you have the other de-
0: rest yeah. of your deposit <laughs> I think I'm in I think I'm in
1: they are they are the best man I freaking love them I've been shooting their stuff for years
0: now is that one that you would carry or too big to carry
1: I mean you could carry I mean technically you could carry just about anything right no I would not carry you it. they do have a carry gun that is oh. uh, a lot more effective for that it's a, three and, a three and 3.1 inch barrel I think a little bit shorter
0: um and the slide will feel the same mm -hmm. really oh yeah but now let me ask you this when you're when you're choosing something to carry like let's say you were in an incident that gun gets taken away from you for a minute so does that affect your choice of what you carry
1: i think it definitely could affect your choice it's one of those things like you wake up bumping the night and you're like (laughs) grab this or this one's like 500 bucks i'm gonna use this (laughs) right (laughs) i have I've definitely thought about that before. It's like in the you, middle of a situation. No, 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 not a okay, okay. situation. But like pre-planning. Pre-planning. If something were to right. happen. Like I don't want to grab a, a six thousand dollar pistol that you may or may not get back. Right. And you're definitely going to lose it for a period of time.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I was telling you before, uh, it's obviously a different money scale, but I have that Zev uh yeah. Sig collab and uh I don't carry it for that reason. I'm like, man, I don't, I love the grip. I love it. I love it at the rate. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not bringing that in public. Yep. What if?
1: You know, there's there's a actually. I think USCCA is one of the insurance companies. Yeah. They have. I believe it's them that has a, um, a payment out so that you can buy another gun if yours gets taken oh. as a result of using it in self defense. I'm like, that's actually a really cool little insurance policy. For sure. Now I think it's limited. It's not a. A Six thousand dollar, you know, buyout. Right, but, right, right. right. <laughs> but I'm like, that's that's a pretty cool idea to to have that yeah. as part of your insurance plan.
0: Yeah, because that would suck. Like yeah. losing that right there behind you, that would be miserable. I, would...
1: I have several more. Do you really? As, as backups, yeah.
0: If you but, had to give a total dollar amount to the collection that you have, the let's call it an arsenal. Oh no,
1: no. <laughs>
0: You wouldn't put a number to it. <laughs> no. no,
1: I've got a pretty good collection at this yeah? point. Yeah,
0: um, is that part? Is it kind of addicting?
1: It's very addicting, and and I know some people get, um, you know, you can collect anything, but I know some people who really go down the collection road, I like to, I don't have a lot of collector's items, I have very few, I have a lot of tools that I like to use, I don't have really any safe queens, all right. of my stuff is, has a purpose and has a use, so I won't say that I've never bought a gun, just as a, a spur of the moment, like, oh, I need that. Um, I have several times. (laughs) But at the end of the day, each one of them has a purpose. um, And I've used all of them. And I like them.
0: Yeah, make me happy. So yeah. Uh, I know you're famous in your world. And I know this, uh, I was just telling you before (laughs) we started rolling. And, and, uh, you know, it was like, we had a lot of guys over here yesterday from SHOT Show, uh, Byron Rogers, my buddy was over here. And and uh, your, your name was thrown up, uh, thrown around uh, quite a bit. I
1: hope in like um, halfway decent. Fantastic. Okay.
0: Not even halfway, like completely 100% um, praise. Uh, one guy specifically who's in law enforcement was telling me, you know, he, he got in, a, he had an incident where he tore his shoulder apart mm-hmm. and it was like pretty, pretty crazy incident. This guy that was on like drugs or something that took, I want to say it ended up taking like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. guys to take this fucking guy out and he didn't even remember the incident yep afterwards to the point where you know i was telling um i was telling him like you know i know you guys come in contact with so many people you have a you're a good judge on when you're being lied to even by the criminal or whatever you want to call it and he was like yeah this guy just uh he was trying to buy weed and it was laced with i don't remember with what um, but it made him do some crazy shit and gave him, like, superhuman strength. Bath
1: salts is what they're calling yeah. it. It's, it's a synthetic cannabinoid that's, yeah. you know, and I've seen it. I've seen it personally several times. Yeah. And, and we had a guy that um, I remember he was taking to the hospital. The, a deputy took him to the hospital, and he starts calling for help. So I was, you know, right around the corner, run over there, and the guy was handcuffed behind his back and lifting nine of us off the ground.
0: I mean, that's just crazy.
1: And then... <laughs> I don't know how graphic we want to get, but... Go ahead. We, he then proceeded... He was yelling at us, saying that he was the devil and he was there to kill us, and then he bit his tongue off and spit it at us and aspirated on his own blood. Yeah.
0: I had to give George Carmona a look because... <laughs> no, I'm not picking my head up today, John. <laughs> Wait, This is too much gross shit. I'm, <laughs> I, it's too wheat. early. We I had know. a guy I'm on sorry. yesterday, gross. Joe. We had a guy on yesterday <laughs> who owns a company that they... Are in charge of cleanup of oh, crime God. scenes, traffic accidents. So you can imagine the stories. And oh, George yeah. gets a little squeamish back there. So sorry, George. Hey, Joe, it's not your <laughs> fault. You know, I just didn't think you were that kind of guy. I didn't think you were that kind of guy. I mean, With... it wasn't
1: me, but I, I was. I was there. It wow. turned into a major cluster, but
0: for the for there's so much to talk about with you. For the people that don't know you, uh, you know, I know in your world you're you're a big name, but for my normal regular action junkies crowd, that's uh, they like guns. They don't know all the the people involved. Give a little history on who you are, Joe. Who are you, Joe? <laughs> who am I? Yeah, uh,
1: that's a question I ask myself all the time. <laughs> but no, I, I got started. Um, I grew up shooting. A little bit, a little bit, you know, hunting and plinking on the range and stuff. And then, um, when I was about 20, I got into some pistol competitions and I was hooked. Like as soon as I shot my first match, I was absolutely hooked and then got into law enforcement, got into teaching in law enforcement, did all the, the really fun things. And as a cop that I wanted to do, um, and I was still competing a lot and I started teaching more and more classes on the side to afford to compete because as a cop, I didn't make anything like it's, it's criminal (laughs) what cops get paid agreed and um, I started teaching more and more classes on the side competing more and more and the demand continued to grow and it got to the point where it was like well it's costing me a lot of money to go to work as a cop and I'm having a lot more fun and a lot less stress teaching on the range and and I'm teaching instructors and I'm teaching SWAT teams and I'm teaching all that you're like Competitive shooters, and this is a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shooting with people instead of having people shoot at you, or right. <laughs> um, so it, there came a th- point in time, and this was uh, late 2018, where I was like, you know what? I, actually, early 2018, I started thinking it's time to look at an exit plan. And a couple major life events happened um, mid 2018, where I was like, no, I'm not going to look at a two-year exit plan. I'm going to. It's time to happen now. Like really. So um, September of 2018, I left full-time law enforcement and have been doing uh, shooting and teaching full-time yeah. now. So for the last almost well, four and a half years. So.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. It's
1: pretty, pretty awesome shift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, was the, was the transition tough or was it just seamless for you?
1: No, it was actually really, you know, a lot of people said, you know, oh, you're so brave to take a leap of faith. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not that hard. Um, right. and, is there some uncertainty there with, you know, inconsistent income, you know, losing my insurance and the pension from the city right. and all that stuff? Yeah. There's a little, little like hitch in your gut, but at the end of the day um, I knew number one, I'm willing to put the work in. Yep. And I think having the the fundamental work ethic of, Hey, this is like make it or break it yeah. and, and taking the risk. Like I don't have a problem with taking risk. I think that, people should, otherwise you, you died freaking bored. Yeah. And, um,
0: there's no better feeling than betting on yourself and then winning.
1: Well, yes. And there, I will tell you, there were several times where it was like, oh shit, like this is really getting tight right now. And, um, I remember, I think it was beginning of 2020. So about a year after I left the police department and I looked at my bank account. I'm like, I have absolutely worked my ass off. I think I did 115 classes that year.
0: Really? Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, I have worked my ass off, and I shot 20 uh, something matches too. On
0: top of that, and those matches, do you, you get paid when you? No. It, you don't get paid no, at all.
1: No, I do matches for the love
0: of it. Oh, really? Um, so I, there's no winner that gets a prize? Or... I mean,
1: so winning a, winning a big match, um, usually there'll be you'll win a gun or or Got a scope it. or something like that, which you could okay. then. Sell and and pay for some of your match expenses, but very rarely is there any. That's like, a passion e- even, thing. Even yeah, even like winning a rifle. It's like okay, I've got a rifle. I can't sell it for full value, you know. So maybe I've got a thousand dollars in prize money here if I I sell it. Then you have to like actually find somebody to buy it and sell it, and it's, so it's a there's a process there um right. that's kind of a pain in the ass, right. and and it's still I probably spent two thousand dollars to go to the match. So it's like, okay, wow. we covered the, the flight and the room for this. Um, now, here and there, there'll be a prize money match, but they are very few and far between.
0: Okay. But winning the match helps, gives you more like street cred, whatever you want to call sure. it, and that helps you get more clients, and right? Is Absolutely. That, is that the and deal? For,
1: for my business, I look at it as a marketing expense. Right? Sure. It's, that's how I, I justify it financially, but truly, I love to shoot matches. Like I started shooting matches when I couldn't afford to shoot matches. And I wasn't winning. Yeah. And that passion is what is what brought me to where I am today is because that was just what I love to do. Yeah. And the more I love to do it, the more I've had to figure out a way to do it. It was a freaking addiction. Like right. how how do I scratch this itch? Well, if I can teach a, a little pistol class, a one on one for like a hundred bucks yeah. back in the day, that's not <laughs> no right, right anymore. Yeah. Um, then I can I can afford to shoot um, an, another match next weekend. Yeah. And so. The guy from my church was like, hey, will you teach my wife and I? I was like, sure, hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's how I kind of got into the the teaching role. And so,
0: and now you mostly work with law enforcement, or is it like high like high level executives from companies? Like, what what's your clientele like?
1: It's it's a very wide clientele. Um, I, I do a lot of work with um, military at this point. Yep. Uh, and, and that's always a great thing because I get to, to work with those guys and the government checks usually clear. So it's (laughs) a good thing, but, um, I do a lot of competitive work too. So people wanting to get better at competitive shooting, um, and then private, private stuff. So, you know, I've got, I've got clients who, um, have the, the financial means to fly me out to wherever they are uh, and do a weekend of, of training and, and that's fun, I, and I enjoy it. Now this year, I'm going to be doing some more um, open enrollment classes. Last year, uh, I just didn't didn't have time for open enrollment classes, so I wanted to do, get back to that, it's kind of our roots, right? Yeah, and open that up to some defensive handgun and you competitive shooting and stuff like that.
0: Are you do you travel all over teaching and yeah. like literally all over?
1: Yep, yeah, I've been. All over the place. Last year was a, a crazy year for travel. Really? Yeah. Two-thirds, over two-thirds of the year I was on the roads.
0: So. Always in the U.S.?
1: No, I've been overseas um, to teach in Sweden and Poland. Really? I've um, had some opportunities in a couple other countries, but they fell through because of the pandemic. Yep. Um, looking, Maybe going back to Poland this year, still just trying to figure out the the schedule for that. So. In Brazil too, I want to get down there. I've got a lot of actually a lot of people in Brazil that want to Mm -hmm. want to shoot, and I'm curious to see how this last election changes the shooting, you know, landscape down there because it's
0: Brazil's rough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Brazil's an interesting country, but you know this last election went from a, a more conservative president who was pro gun, pro rights, and yep. and and individuals' rights to someone who literally got out of prison for corruption and was brought into the <laughs> into the presidency. Um, so that, that's a
0: good look. That's good. Yeah, he he,
1: he was <laughs> he went to prison for corruption, and it was there was some legal hmm. thing that he got out on um, because of his age and where he was tried. I think, and then you know, there's so much drama down there with whether it was a corrupted election and all this stuff. Right. I'm not going to get in that. I don't know that much of world politics, yeah. but it's already led into, you know, massive riots and gun rights are they' They're already looking to ban down there. So it's a, it's a changing landscape.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, there was a guy in here yesterday and, uh, he, I forgot what he pulled out and he was like, yeah, it's California compliant. And it's like, it's, uh, I was thinking about, man, California is so crazy. Like these, these, rules that they have when it comes to how many you can have in in a magazine and all that it's like who is coming up with this and it's like they, they it's like people that have no experience yeah. makes no sense
1: well on a fundamental level um an armed populace is is something that you can't control well mm-hmm. and when you look at the political powers that be it comes down to the more, the more control you have, the more power you have. The more power you have, the more money you can get. And, and on a foundational level, like I believe that that's where if you follow the money, you can find what, what's going on with things. So um, with the, the California laws and all of those things, it's all pushing towards a direction. Mm-hmm. And you can see you can see the pattern throughout the years in, in different countries. Um, and now the, the most recent one was the pistol brace. Ruling with the ATF. And they, they came up with this this past week saying that um, after, you know, a certain period they're going to enforce this where if you have a, a pistol brace on your AR rifle, AR style rifle, or a, a you know, pistol, AR pistol, um, it's going to be a, a short barrel rifle. And it, it's literally taking approximately 10 million people who own pistol braces and overnight without judicial review, without any, um, you know, any rulemaking ability that the they're overnight making them. Well, now you're felons. Right. And it's, it goes down to well now you can, you can go ahead and short barrel rifle. And you apply for your, your tax stamp for that. And we'll do it for free. Well, that just goes down to gun registration. Mm-hmm. And now they have a, a documentation of the 40 million guns, approximately that have pistol braces. And now they're going to be SBRs. Um, and it's, it's a, very slippery slope with an uncontrolled uh ending. Right. So right. Yeah. we can do the political side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um when you when you're teaching people, are you mostly teaching to help them get sharpen up their shooting or are you teaching like strategy or, or whatever you would call it, tactics. like uh, tactics. Yeah.
1: No, uh the vast majority of what I teach is uh, performance-based training. So it's all focused on how do we, my my whole focus in practical shooting is what what I consider it is, um, and that covers self-defense, military, law enforcement, and competition. Mm-hmm. Practical shooting is the idea of getting the desired level of accuracy as soon as possible. Mm. So how quickly can you get from the holster? How quickly can you get follow-up shots? How accurate can you get with that? So it's, it's building the foundations and then refining the foundations and using a um a process-based method that you can't argue it's like if you if people want to say oh i like this because this is what i was taught and i'm like okay we'll put it on paper put it on a timer and i, I have three three things i compare everything every piece of gear every technique every idea that someone wants to throw at you say compared to these three things does it make you more or less accurate mm-hmm. does it make you faster or slower and does it make you more or less consistent? And if it doesn't line up with those three things, I say, then it's it's worthless. And if it doesn't affect any of those three things, then it's personal preference. And it's, it's, it doesn't really matter. So it diffuses arguments really quickly. Because, you know, in, especially in this industry, you have a lot of type A personalities. Like, well, this is what I do. I, I learned this in the military and I want to do this. I'm like, cool. But it's making you less accurate. Right. And it's making you slower. So you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm just saying the facts and the statistics and the data here. Right. We can do all this data based. It's th- it's making you suck more. So you do you. <laughs> Is it hard to
0: rewire certain people that come to you,
1: it's especially in the um, in the realm of like high end military? So your special operations community have. A lot of reps. Mm-hmm. So when you have a, a skill set that has a lot of reps behind it, it takes
0: a lot of reps to rewire it. Now, and part of that is you gaining their confidence, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Even though they know who you are coming in, there's, most of them, right?
1: Well, it depends. Okay. Um, a lot of the, the military and law enforcement stuff I do, they don't know who I am when I when I walk through the door. If it's a, a class that I created. And everyone who's signing up, obviously they're signing up because they know who I am and they want to come take the class. Got it. Um, But for Mill and LE, there is a, there's absolutely a barrier. There's a, who the fuck is this guy? Exactly,
0: exactly. (laughs) And,
1: And there's, it's a balance because you have to be able to show them that, hey, I do know what I'm talking about, but you can't come off as an asshole. Because right. if you just jump up there and say, "Nope, you're an idiot," let me show you. Then you you lost them. For sure. And if you walk up there and you can't show them that you know what you're talking about, you lost them. Right. So it's a very fine line. As like, as someone who has shot well and I've taken classes and I've been down that road, even here at shot show is funny. Like walking up to a booth and I have someone who's like talking to me. I'm like. <laughs> can you say something that's like intelligent for a second like I hear you saying all of your sales points for this thing right you're an idiot um and and that's the attitude that you get a lot of times when you walk in until you can say oh you we you have a connection there so um I I enjoyed that little that little give and take and yeah. the challenge of
0: establishing rapport um so that was something that was new for you then right it's really public speaking I mean it's re- right it's really, um, so where did you get those skills? Just trial and error, just, just reps from doing that trial and error for sure. But I grew up,
1: um, in the restaurant industry. So okay. my great grandmother started a restaurant in Florida, uh, in 1931. So I grew up in that from the time I was like, and then my, my family had a, another business where we sold books. And so I was running a cash register at like nine years old. I was like taking people on tours of the, the soup cannery at eight. <laughs> and so like personal conversation from a young age was important and your ability to uh, provide a service for people was important. And then the restaurant industry, like I I actually loved waiting tables. Like I had a blast doing
0: that. You liked mixing with the people. I and, did. Yeah.
1: And, 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 like giving people an experience yeah. and having fun with those people and then, and having them walk away. Like I had a, a text list that I would text people like, Hey, I'm working tonight or Hey, we have the special tonight and people would just come in for that. And it was a lot of fun. I had a I had a blast doing that. So I think that led into um, the ability to connect with people. Absolutely. And, and when I look <clears throat> at training as a whole, I teach a lot of instructors. And one of the first things I tell people is like, when you're teaching um, and it, it goes to anything, any instructor, three things you need to know. Foundational skill, your ability to perform the act that you're asking other people to do. So whether that's shooting, whether that's lifting, whether that's racing cars, it doesn't matter. It's your ability to perform, your ability to communicate, and that that's just interpersonal skills, yep. cutting out bad communication, public speaking skills. And then the third thing is one that's often overlooked, and that is your ability to transfer knowledge. And and that one is like, you can be a great communicator and have a, a great conversation. And you can be an awesome shooter. But if you have a class that people come out to and they walk away with like, I didn't really learn anything. Like, it was cool. We had a good time. But what did I actually walk away with? I think that's a failed class, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, now, people will say, well, they're paying for the experience. And I'm like, sure. But the experience, the whole point of this experience, unless you're actually paying for a shooting experience where you go and rent a bunch of machine guns or something like that, if you take a class, you should be walking away with information that's going to make you a better shooter. Right, things that you can work on to make you a better race car driver, a better power lifter, like whatever it is. Um, that's my opinion as an instructor, and that's what the the focus I give to other instructors that I teach.
0: Yeah. I, I've noticed, and maybe it's just because uh, you know we have a mutual friend, Jamie Villamore. So maybe because I follow her, I don't know if you you probably know Tracy Lee. Do you know Tracy yeah, Lee? I know yeah, Tracy, yep. So like, pr- I don't know if it's because I follow them, Instagram keeps piping in like hot girls with guns uh, <laughs> into my feed. But I'm always surprised at how many hot girls with guns um, there are. Do you have you noticed like is there is that uh, like a trend or is that something more and more? Is it just always been that way? And Instagram's just bringing it to light
1: you've got that algorithm on lock um no i think there's there's certainly a, a piece of the industry that that is that um and the women in shooting is one of the fastest growing de- demographics for sure because uh especially through a pandemic people realize through the pandemic like you even you said earlier like That's i didn't when, have a gun yep i need a gun right yep um, the world's
0: ending. I need a gun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and ammo and more guns. Yeah. Uh, and and you were one of many, many, I think it was, um, I looked up statistics at the end of last year. It was like 14 million new gun owners in the past two years. Yeah. And a big demographic or a big portion of that is women because it was, you know, traditionally a male-dominated sport. And then more and more women started, like, realizing, hey— first and foremost you you're your own first responder. You don't you can call the cops and I tell people this in my class. I'm like you can call the cops. I was a cop. And I can tell you, kind of on one hand the number of crimes I stopped in progress that I was there for when they were happening.
0: On one hand. Yeah. Right. And, it's, and, too and, and, and and was, it's too late by the time I was 911 it's too late.
1: I was like street crime like I was out there proactive all the time and you you don't get it. Right. Like the purpose of law enforcement is to write the report, document it, and then hopefully follow up and find the bad guy.
0: Right. And the purpose of criminals is perform their tasks when law enforcement's not around. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly.
1: So when it comes down to it, like you're your own first responder, you are the one that's responsible for your own safety. Right. Unless you have an entourage of security that can you can rely on for that. And most people don't. So. In that case, when people wake up to that knowledge, and sometimes it's an incident that causes that, and sometimes it's a um, you know them just waking up, them realizing, oh, this is actually something I need to take seriously. That's the way I prefer, not something yeah. that they're a victim and now they're playing catch-up. Right. Um, when they realize that and, and they see, hey, there's riots, so maybe I should actually take control of myself, uh, then they go out and buy the guns. Women's a, a fast-growing one. Um, a lot of the... Minority cultures yep. who have traditionally been anti-gun or, or stayed away from that because of the, the gun violence—they are very rapidly growing, and that's awesome. I love seeing that because the more people that take responsibility for themselves, the more responsible society you have.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I have a lot of friends in California, in LA, that that uh, that I grew up with that they're anti-gun. You know, why do you need that? Why do you want, you know, like they get mad sometimes I'll post like once in a while of the AR-15 or yeah. whatever, and they get mad at me. And why do you need that? And I'm like, but what's the big, like, why not? Like, yeah. what if, you know? And they'll they'll give me these statistics, of, you know, of... of Uh, how many, you know, home invasions there are up against how many people like, okay, but what if you're that in that 1%? Like, why would you want to rely on, I don't know, like if I, maybe it's just me. If I'm upstairs, I'm asleep at three o'clock in the morning. I hear a window break and the alarm goes off or the alarm goes off because a window broke, whatever. Um, I don't want to be, Oh shit. And dialing for help. And that's my defense. Yeah.
1: There's it's there's crazy. actually a really interesting video I saw recently on Instagram, and it was a 911 call where the woman is calling because her ex, who's been abusing her for a long period of time, is breaking into her home. She has an injunction, and the 911 call is, "I'm sorry, we don't have anybody to send you."
0: I mean, can you imagine?
1: And can you hide in the closet? Can you tell them to go? I've like, and she's sitting there sobbing on the phone and utterly terrified, right? Because she's a victim and he yeah. ended up you know, the long story is he ended up breaking in and, and sending her to the hospital Yeah, because they they didn't have enough cops and yeah. right now you know, you've got these cities that are like well let's let's uh, defund the police it's crazy and and things will be better yeah and then all of a sudden their crime
0: statistics go up it's like
1: why would the crime Cheaking. go
0: what <laughs> no less yeah. guns
1: less uh yeah. Less law enforcement yeah. and crime goes up. That's
0: just weird. send mental health counselors that's in to so talk weird. to them. Yeah. They'll, they'll <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, granted, like there's, there's programs for that. There's places for that, and there's needs for that. Sure. At the end of the day, though, the and this is the classic saying: the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is to have a good guy with a gun.
0: A hundred percent. And that's ugh, yeah. I don't know. And like, when, I mean, I, I think everyone should have a gun in their house. Like, yes. I, I can't imagine, but like, women, if you single women, if you don't have a gun in your house, you are doing it wrong. Yes. Trust me. Like, I, I have one for another friend in LA. She's like, Well, I have a baseball bat. And I'm like, What? Like,
1: <laughs> well, I love the, the I've got a gun, but it's locked right. in a lockbox with a lock through it. Like, okay, let's just play a scenario real quick. Yeah. You get a knock on the door, you look at the people. Big guy standing in the door, pounding on the door, telling you to let him in. You're like, no, I'm not going to let you in. He kicks in the door. What do you do? You run back to the bedroom, find your key in the drawer somewhere, pull it out, somehow get it into the lock, open it up, find your mag, load your mag, stuff into the gun, rack it, and hopefully by that time, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Like You actually have to play some scenarios out in your head. Scenario training is important.
0: It's gotten to a point, call me paranoid, people knock on my door, I answer it with a gun in my hand. Every time. They don't see the gun, but... I'm not fucking around every time <laughs> like and, and
1: I mean you can there's levels to the paranoia preparedness argument, right. <laughs> um, but I, there's there should be guns in every room.
0: I got that too. <laughs> 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 <Man>. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ron Montoya. I think Ron, Mon, uh, my buddy, I was telling you before, yeah. uh, before I got on, um, he told me early in 2020 when I got my first gun from him, uh, I was like, how many do you? And he's like, I'd put one in every room. And he's like, if you can't get to a gun in one and a half seconds. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. I mean like
1: you got shower guns, you got bathroom guns, you got couch guns, <laughs> kitchen guns, you know, study guns, gun yeah. room guns, and then of course the best But a lot I of
0: people get. will hear this. A lot of my friends are gonna DM me and be like, dude, you've gone off the fucking deep end, you are paranoid.
1: No, I, there's a difference between paranoia and preparedness. And the, the differentiation that I make there is paranoia is you're living in fear. Yeah. Okay. And you're you're actively like scared and you're you're hypervigilant and you're looking for a problem preparedness is like hey i'm gonna set myself up for success if something bad happens but i'm not sitting here just like focused in on that and constantly living in fear i'm, yeah. I'm aware i'm aware of what's going on around me but i'm yeah. not gonna sit here and be scared and and a lot of that comes from training yeah and, and having a foundation of hey i know what i need to do if something bad happens and yeah most people have just never got either never gotten the training yeah um they they don't know where to go to get training, and that's that's an unfortunate thing. Um, one of the things I, I did last year uh, was release a uh, online training program. It's, a, it's oh a dry fire mastery is my my course, and it's uh, how to train at home, and it's a video based program. is like for it's focusing on new gun owners, but it also covers you know the draw stroke and, and target transitions and throttle control with your gun and all of these things for for handgun. That what is
0: throttle control?
1: You, oh, it's the ability to, again, shoot as, as accurately as you need to for the target as quickly as you can. So if you've got a target that's at 7 yards and a target that's at 25 yards, got it. you have to control the throttle there. You have to be able to speed up or slow down based off of the size or distance of the target. Got it. So, um, and that's, to me, one of the most important skill sets in, as a practical shooter is your ability to put accurate rounds on target fast. Yeah. Um, as fast as you can. Yeah, and and I'm always working to do that faster, sooner. Like, right. How do we how do we make that more efficient? So throttle control, target transitions, draw you know, movement, all of those things are built into that program. And it's one of those things like I wanted to create that so that the people who either are scared to go to the range, they don't have an instructor nearby, um, they have an option where they can get training that's high quality training without having to go anywhere. Or right. e- even like people buy a gun, they don't have money to buy ammo because ammo is not cheap. Right, um, I, spend, I spend a lot of money on ammo. Yeah. Um, but this is a way to practice without ammo safely and effectively. So it's something that I think that everyone should have. It it should be mandatory with every gun purchase.
0: Yeah. The peace of mind you have when you own one uh, in your house or you have it in your car or on your person, you know, it, it's night and day. Like yeah. I, I... I didn't realize it until I got it, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 um, I mean, I was at dinner literally two weeks ago. I'm at dinner with a couple of buddies and, uh, I'm downtown Vegas at circa, uh, and I live in like Summerlin area Yeah. and, um, you know, Byron Rogers would be so mad that I just said that, but, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm 20 minutes from home, 25 minutes from home and, you know, we have the ring app and Vanessa sends me a screenshot uh, and she says, look at this. This is not far. This is like literally in our neighborhood, two guys going like hopping walls of backyards, going house to house, checking doors or whatever. So I'm like, fuck, I'm on my way home. Yeah. Um, but it's such a good set. like, I felt so much more calm knowing she's, there's guns in the house. She knows how to use them. Like, yeah. you pick the wrong house. If you come in, even with her there, she's going to shoot you. You know, I mean, I came right home, but, um, that scenario and the stress I would have had if she didn't have a gun in the house. Absolutely. It's night and day. And or if then, we didn't, you know, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's a, it's a, the great equalizer, right? It's, a, it's somebody who's five foot tall. Right. And a hundred pounds. And how'd you know? Gives That's them her
0: exact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just nailed the pint size warrior uh, perfectly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> gives, gives them an option. Yeah. Right. And, and, it takes somebody who's 80 years old and gives them an option to protect themselves. And right. You, you can look up, and, and a lot of the news on that stuff gets suppressed because it doesn't fit the narrative. But yeah. It, it does get suppressed, and uh, but you can look it up. Like there are so many successful stories of guns being used to protect an innocent person. Yeah. It happens every single day. Yeah. And it gives you an option when you may not have had another option. Right.
0: Now, do you also teach the when to use it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's that's equally as important
0: because those scenarios could be harder than you think for most people, right? Like Absolutely. those those scenarios are are difficult to like. Okay, when like especially in public or something like, when when is the right time and the wrong time?
1: Well, those scenarios again, it's another thing about having options. Mm-hmm. Um, I last year, I, the last few years, I've trained down at Waft. Um, which is a, a scenario training facility in Orlando. And last year I took over the, all the firearms training uh, and, and helped them revamp their program. But that teaches, again, options and, and communication and what do you do if. Right. Um, and it's so crucial to have that pre-thought out to some degree. Yeah. Because if you've never experienced it and – like even even just having somebody walk up to your car and like start pounding on your window, what? Do you, sure. Like that's right. a
0: scary experience. <laughs>
1: right. Okay. And if you've never had that happen, what can you do? What do you do? Right. Right. And and if you don't have a plan ahead of time, most of the time you freeze. And right. I, I've seen that happen dozens and dozens of times in scenario trainings. You freeze. Even law enforcement people who have experience, they freeze.
0: Hey, they froze at that school. Um, oh, that's a that's an absolute. Yeah.
1: That's a criminal act there um, yeah uh, don't okay don't, yeah. don't get me started on that one because that's that's one of those it's like as as a, as a cop and a former or a former cop and a protector and like and just a man like i right i, I could not
0: get in there <laughs> what are you guys doing man,
1: that one that one was unbelievable get out of the huddle yeah unbelievable that that yeah. happened
0: but like you said, uh, you know, someone just come up to your car and pounding on your car window. Or not even pounding. Just yeah. someone comes up to your car and says, roll down the window. Now yeah. what?
1: Yeah, exactly. And they can look normal. I mean, it's, you have to think through that type of scenario. And you have to have options. I mean, I, this right here is like my favorite option. This the is option number one. Flashlight. Flashlight. OK, because if somebody walks up to you, you can't just pull a gun on somebody. But if somebody walks up to you in a gas station, they're, they're like heckling you for money. You can use a flashlight and say, hey, just like back off, dude. And you can hit somebody in the eyes with a flashlight that's walking up to you and you're not going to go to jail for it. I'm not saying like hit somebody. Right, right, but, right. And then just... if it if it does get physical, if somebody does get to the point where they're physically encroaching on you, you can hit somebody with a flashlight. Right. And it's better than hitting them with a fist. Right. And then it's, it's just a layer. It's another layer. And I can carry this on a flight. I carry this all the freaking time because it's an option and it's an easy option. Yeah. And so I think a flashlight is one of the most underrated, underrated tools out there. Right. You can't carry a pepper spray on a flight. Right. Um, You can't spray somebody with pepper spray just because they're approaching you, but you can bring this out and say, Hey, back off, dude, back off. Right. And and when you hit somebody in the light, even in the eyes with a light, even in daylight, it's like, Right. What the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Why? Why right. do my eyes hurt? Yeah. Even in daylight. Um. And then and
0: psychologically, they also might think, well, what's what are you pulling out next? Exactly.
1: Right? Exactly. So it's. And it's a great option for people who don't feel comfortable because I, I understand there's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable carrying a gun. I know people with their concealed carry permits that have come to take my classes. That are like, I've had my concealed carry permit for three years and I've never carried my gun because I just don't feel comfortable with it. I'm like, I get that.
0: There's a. I am very good friends with a former cop, New York cop, and he was a Henderson cop, uh, and he doesn't carry anymore. And it drives me nuts. I'm always like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's like he's just he's like, I'm just not comfortable doing it. That's, That's wild, a weird dynamic to me. to me, yeah. Yeah.
1: Get comfortable. Right. I mean, and the only way you get comfortable is through exposure. But if you don't get comfortable with carrying a gun, find other options. Like, you have tasers, you have pepper spray, you have pepper ball guns, you have flashlights. Like, there's so many options. At the end of the day, the last thing you want to be is completely hopeless and helpless. Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine sitting there and relying on someone else, even going to, a, like, a a place where you have security that you can't bring anything in, yeah. um, I'm still looking for <clears throat> options, right?
0: Let me ask you this. So I, I always go back and forth with Vanessa on this because she'll always say, you know, obviously some places you can't carry here. Like sometimes she has to make nightclub appearances and stuff like that. So you can't, you can't bring it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not supposed to bring it into the casinos, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she's always like, you know, well, I, you know, when, when she's just out and about running errands, uh, she... I think sometimes she has it sometimes she doesn't that bugs me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she'll always be like, you know why, well, But I also have my, I always have my pepper spray and I'm just like, am I wrong in saying like, get that out of your head as like option one. Like that's not option one, unless it ha- has to be option yeah. one, right? Like yep. it should be your default. Number one choice is the gun.
1: Yeah. It. <sighs> Again, having options is good.
0: And that's Um, probably a comfort thing on her end. That that means needs more training, right? Yep. Which we Um, probably all need, but myself included, clearly. I'll tell you what,
1: I've been doing this for many, many years now, um, and, and professionally to some degree or another for like 12 years. And I still, this last week, spent hours and hours, I think I probably spent a good 20 hours last week, Training myself,
0: really? Yeah. Now, so I mean, if you say that, like, yeah, granted, what are like we doing? I don't yeah. do
1: that every all the time, but um, when I have these these contracts that I get a chance to have a range to myself and yeah. unlimited ammo, basically, yeah, um, it gives you me a use chance it. to really put in some work. And I'm still chasing the freaking rabbit because it, you it, can get better.
0: But I, I would I, I would almost compare it to like foreign language, right? If you stop using it, it it leaves you. Yeah. Right. It's yep. the same with this.
1: Yep. Now you can get some of it back, but it's got to be consistent. It's like, if you stop going to the gym, what's going to happen? Right. You're not going to be. You're not going to rise to the occasion to go lift all of a sudden when you go to a competition. So you have to consistently go. You yeah. have to continually train. And if you don't, and, and there's a big difference between training and practice. Mm. Training is working with a goal in mind. It is pushing towards something. Practice is going out there and practicing yeah okay it is holding holding even it is going and having fun and shooting rounds at a a paper target um which there's nothing wrong with that but understand what what the difference is training and practice are two completely separate things and the biggest differentiation between those two is working with a goal Mm -hmm. and if your goal is hey i want to get better at shooting at whatever the whatever it is you're going to start to find ways to do that And um, I think the most important training tool that you can get is uh, a shot timer. Being able to... I've
0: seen you post a lot of videos Mm -hmm. uh, about that with the draw and timing people and uh, I guess like acquiring the target, right? Yeah,
1: so a a timer will give you a a start beep and then it will time your shots. And in practice, like in my drive fire stuff, I use a shot timer because I can put a part time. So I'll have a start and end time. So say I want to... I want to see how my draw is. And I know my draw stroke is at three seconds. It takes me three seconds to get out of the holster, onto target, and take a shot. Okay, I can put a two and a half second part time, and I can start working to get down under that two and a half seconds. That mm-hmm. gives me a goal to work towards. And again, it's not something that's like, oh, well, that rep felt better. It's how can you quantify it? Okay, in racing, how what was your lap time? In lifting, well, how, how much was the weight, right? All right. Those are just a couple of examples, but like, there's always a way to quantify it. Right. And shooting, most of the time, is like, well, how is your accuracy? Well, it doesn't necessarily matter how accurate you were if it took you 15 minutes to do it. Right. We need to put a second standard on there, and so a shot timer is how you do that. And it's a a barrier of entry for some people because it's 100 bucks or 120 bucks, and it's like, no, that is literally the best way to progress in your training with whatever that you're doing in the shooting world. Because you can quantify what's working, what's not
0: working. Yeah. I think that's where I need the most work is like the like on the range, that first shot when I'm getting set and take my time, I'm really good, Joe. It's shots <laughs> two, three, four, five. It's just, it gets progressively worse. And when I watch your videos, I always hear ping, 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 <laughs> you know? That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But it's not always the case. I mean, it's, I started a, a series a couple of years ago, and I've slacked off on it now. I actually did the series every single week for quite a while um, called One Take Wednesday. And mm-hmm. I would go out there, and every Wednesday I would post a video of my first rounds of the day. And I would do some sort of a drill, and it was like, hey, whether it works or it doesn't work, I'm gonna share that with the internet, and it keeps you freaking honest. Right. And and
0: for one, it was it hard to do that at first, like like to post hard. that, like okay, <laughs> here we go, yep. post. Well, and the cool <laughs> yeah. thing
1: was, is it 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 brings humanity to the Instagram. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a good thing that you're missing a lot of times because you see these these shooters that post everyone at their best. Everyone, it's your best best moments. And the yeah. one take Wednesday was really fun. And I need to
0: start doing it consistently again. I just, I love that because it's, it's just real. Yeah. I mean, you, now, it's, now you, make your, you made yourself impossible to hate on unless you're just a complete asshole. Right. Because it's like, look, I'm showing you the real deal.
1: And, and it, it also is a challenge for myself personally because on the one take, there's no editing out the, the, the flubs in your conversation. Like it, you have to stand up, stand in front of a camera, right. perform yep. the conversation. So as an instructor, it was a great tool for me. Yeah. And then as a shooter, it was like, I have to be able to perform... When I'm cold, on on any day of the week, Wednesday, really, but any day of the week, right? And walk up and be able to execute a drill. There's no warm-up, right? right? And and when you get into competition or when you get into self-defense, there is no warm-up time. It is like, hey, the first shot matters. The first 10 shots matter. The first 100 shots matter. There's no warm-up time for you like, okay, let me get comfortable and set everything out. It's like, no. Dude's coming in your house. Your first shot matters. There's no warm-up time for that. You need to be able to pick it up, know exactly what you're doing, build your grip, do the fundamentals effectively the first time and every time under pressure. And to me, with that one Take Wednesday series, that, that was just a lot of fun because it forced me to perform my conversation skills, yeah. my instructing skills, and my shooting skills on, on the clock, under yeah. pressure, without being having the opportunity to be like, well, let's just re-record that. Nope. You gotta wait for another day then. Right.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this. I, I I don't know if this was on your Instagram or Byron's, um, because I consume so much of both of you. Uh, I have his
1: Instagram pulled up
0: if you want. Th- there was a post. W- one of you posted just like maybe two weeks ago. A guy in a range, and he had his box of ammo open. Oh yeah, Byron and, posted. That. Byron posted it. Okay, yes. and the guy took a shot, and the shell went up in the air. It landed on the on the on box the primer, on the yeah. on the yeah, and and then. Rounds went off. That was he, and he yeah Byron right I and he was never, like had someone told me yeah. this I wouldn't have believed it unless I saw the video.
1: Yep, one hundred percent. I never would have believed it because and I've we've I've all tried, done that I've right like hundreds hundreds of thousands of rounds at this point and I've never seen a primer cook off in that manner ever
0: ever. Did you do you follow I up did, what we just said, was, George? George? I'm going to look for it. Yeah, so it's on Byron's. Yeah, I mean, you literally, could have shot and killed yourself.
1: Well so Maybe. Here's, here's, no? no it won't okay. it kill you because the 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 round has to have compression. So Okay. It, so like people throw ammo into a fire, you're like, oh man, it's gonna go everywhere and kill everybody around. No, that's not how it works. Oh okay. What happens is, is the projectile is locked in that case, and when you fire it, the case is stationary and the projectile gets exploded out. When there is no lock, it goes both ways at equal speed. Got and so it, it dissipates. Now Within a foot radius, it could hurt you. Right, but it's not going to like shoot through you. Okay, okay. okay. So the the barrel um, is what creates the pressure behind that that bullet you know, coming out of the end of the barrel to cause the velocity for damage.
0: Yeah. that was like crazy, freak. Oh yeah, freak, like you've never seen, you've that, never before, seen right? that before, right? No, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. So nuts. Um, here I you I found have,
1: it. I have the Instagram pulled up. Do you guys remember like what?
0: Um, oh man, uh. uh
1: it's tough because it's...
0: It's probably... You probably yeah, go, have to go, go down, down a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're scrolling. We're scrolling to Byron Rogers' Instagram. <sighs> it's never a What's good. up, Byron? It's going to be in... It was in an indoor range, so I guess we'd be looking for a photo like that, but... I don't know. I don't see it. It Was recent? Oh, there it is. Is that it? That's yeah, gonna that's be it right there. Yep.
1: you will open that thing. Wow.
0: The young oh, Jamie of Rogan has nothing on you, George Carmona. Jamie would have for sure found it without you. <laughs> <having> <laughs> to scroll. All right. Thank you though. <laughs> Drop it.
1: Look at that. That's wild.
0: <laughs> but let's do weird things. You've got to be thinking ahead when you're working with those. You've got to be. Thinking about anything that can go wrong. And it's just good to have,
1: different I, I wouldn't types have thought of about crazy. that. SoPs no,
0: right? Iron, it's not, right? not a chance. That, that was so wild. <laughs> that was just so wild.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely a unique situation with that one. And but that really does show something else too that that's a danger for indoor ranges. That brass bouncing off of the wall yeah. um, will frequently go down your shirt. It's happened to me. Okay. It's happened to me. It's happened
0: down Vanessa, Down Vanessa's <laughs> yep. sports bra. A hundred
1: percent. And and that's something that in every one of my classes, one of the safety briefings is like, look, if you catch that brass down your shirt, it feels like bacon burning you. Like you get the bacon snap. You got five seconds of the suck. Embrace yeah. the suck. Keep the gun pointed down range. Um, because oh, I've seen it. that video right there, not that one, but a similar right. one where a guy had Brass go down his shirt. He grabs a shirt and shoots himself in the mouth. Or I have a personal right. friend of mine who, um, absolute tragic, tragic accident. Brass went down his shirt. He reached back and grabbed it and shot and killed his own son.
0: Oh my um, God. And
1: it's, it's, it comes down to, uh, I <laughs> that gets me every time. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, to live with that, it's like such a freak occurrence. Yeah. Like, and, and, like, and, like, and it's avoidable. Right. And it
1: comes down to the number one priority when you have a gun is the safety of that gun. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a toy. It's not something that you mess around with. And that's what I think competition does best because we have such strict rules in competition yeah. that we can have 500 people on a range for three days shooting hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition and nobody gets hurt. Yeah, There's not a single accident because there's no room for accidents. Right. Even when somebody has an accident, it's like, hey, you're out sorry, you can't, there is no, there's no room for screwing up.
0: Right. So, yeah. And you know, it, it shows you, it reminds you of how much we live life on autopilot. We do things with our hands and movements and stuff that it's just, we've been doing it so long, you know, based on however old you are, that's how many years you've been doing just these crazy, you know, just what you would think are typical everyday movements that, but when you add the gun and you start doing that, it's no good.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it comes back to the rules of firearm safety and Number one rule. Don't point at something you don't want to shoot. Right. Like that's especially me. Don't,
0: right. Don't point it at me. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's the safety briefing. Yeah.
0: Is it a little nerve wracking sometimes on the range with new people? Because um, it happens, right? People, yeah. they're going to make mistakes. And how do you keep your cool when that's happening?
1: I have a very calm mentality. I see. Um, and and <laughs> I, there, people do screw up. And so the first time is was like, hey, we talked about this already. Keep it pointed down range. I know. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And then if it happens again, it's like, hey, you need to go sit down for a minute because you need to actually lock this in yeah. and, and realize that this is not something to mess around with. And right. the worst thing that you can have is someone who's flipping about it. Who's like, oh, it's unloaded. I'm like, I don't give a shit if right. it's unloaded. Right. I don't care. Right. It is 100% unacceptable, loaded or unloaded, to yeah. point the gun at me or anyone else here or yourself. And you see it at Shot Show all the time because people are walking in there, they're picking up guns, they're like looking at the new stuff, and it's just like pointing at everyone in the room. It's like, and there, there, it's like you just have to accept the fact that because there it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it it still unnerves me. Sure. Um, And so it's when people get flippant with it that I, you do have to take it up a notch and either set them in their own place or send them home. And I I, haven't had, I've only had to send one person home, Um, but.
0: Is working with younger kids? Uh, are they good at when it comes to gun safety, or are they tough to deal with?
1: It really depends on how they the parents. I think got more than anything. Um, I have two two daughters, and the way that I brought them in and, and child safety with guns, I think is really important. It's a great conversation to have. Yeah. Um, I brought. I, I knew that guns were going to be part of my life. Right, right? when I was, had them, I was already getting into competitive shooting. I was getting law enforcement, so I knew guns are going to be a big part of my life. I carry a gun every day. Um, And so the way that I approach children with guns is, like, have a high expectation of them, okay? Number one, take out the taboo of guns. So what I do with my daughters is, like, look, you can touch a gun any time you want to, as long as you ask me first. Right. Okay? Number one rule. If you see a gun, go tell an adult. Preferably me, but... You're not going to have, and, and, and give them the expectation of, hey, your friends may pull out a gun that they found under their dad's bed. And number one thing is get the hell out of there and go find an adult. Okay. And then on the flip side of that, it's like you can touch one anytime. I will come over there and we we pull them apart and explain how they work and all that stuff and then get them shooting. And now they, like, I know with 100% confidence that if they found a gun, they would know what to do with it. They know how to load and unload. Um, they know how to, you know, approach an adult. They're how
0: old? Nine and eleven. That's amazing.
1: I they started shooting I got them shooting when they were four with a twenty two. Wow.
0: So. Now did you get a lot of grief from the non gun people? In your life, or I did they not
1: even know? I don't have a lot of non-gun people <laughs> in my life. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I, I really, I just don't don't have that type of uh, energy in my life. Right um, now, uh, <laughs> there's different degrees of gun people in my life, uh, and no, I didn't get the of degree for it. Um, yeah. and, and people even like my sister is a little bit different. They they're not anti-gun, but they don't really. Do guns much. They have a gun, but they don't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like they, they were kind of on the opposite side of it. Um, and they had guns is like, you never want to touch a gun. Never want to have it. Like it's locked up. You can't ever look at it. And um, then it becomes an object of curiosity. Right, right. So as a kid, what do you want to touch? Well, you want to right. touch what you can't have. Sure. And it's like, why do why do kids you know that are sheltered go to college and they go freaking crazy?
0: Over time, yeah.
1: It's it's a f- human right? nature. The Catholic schoolgirl joke, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a human nature question. Right. It's like, how do we remove the 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 curiosity? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you make it just normal. It's it's a tool. It's like the kids don't freak out about kitchen knives because they start learning how to use a kitchen knife without cutting themselves early on. Right. Well. Same thing with guns. Teach yeah. them young. When, you know, back in the day, they had gun classes and gun safety classes in school. Bring those back. Yeah. You'd have a lot less issues with guns.
0: Yeah. Uh, you just brought up school and guns. So I want to ask you uh, arm the teachers or don't arm the teachers?
1: Arm the teachers who want to have that responsibility because it yeah. is a big responsibility. And to, to push that on all teachers is absolutely wrong. Um, fundamentally, you need to have guns in school to protect from the places where bad things happen or where guns are not allowed. Right. Okay? Gun-free zones are the places where mass shootings happen. Right. Imagine that. Yeah. Because you have a soft target. So the way that you harden a target, look at any politician. They have armed security. Right. Because they don't want to be shot. So if you want to protect the children... You need to have armed security there, and whether that's putting law enforcement or armed security or allowing the teachers to be armed, which I think is a great idea, arm them, train them, and let them carry. Um,
0: It's just crazy when people bring up, oh, but it's expensive to do that. I'm like, we just sent billions upon (laughs) billions to the Ukraine, and we can't figure out how to make schools safe is insanity. Yes,
1: a hundred percent intended <laughs> and then they want to go on there and, and preach about well you need to give up your guns to protect the children like bullshit it's use that money use some money to find some money like the stuff that they're putting billions of dollars into look right. at the last budget bill they pushed through is like pull a hundred million out of that yeah pull, pull. i mean a hundred million is not even a drop in the bucket at that point <laughs> point. and what can you do with it i mean it's it's a travesty and it, it's a it's an absolute excuse, but it goes to show that the the focus isn't like protecting the kids, right it's pushing an agenda right and and sending billions over there to arm the Ukrainian civilians while trying to disarm our civilians. <laughs> it makes my brain I know <laughs> it's make it stop. I know oh my God. it's man. so crazy. yeah, it, it blows my mind.
0: yeah, well, man, this was a lot of fun. Indeed, I I enjoyed this. I you've ruined me though because I keep I can feel I'm not even touching that gun behind you and I I can feel the slide. Just show, just show the people that is crazy. If you're not, uh, if you haven't handled a lot of guns, that's not normal. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) it is, it is like glassy butter, yeah, all bearings, yeah.
0: It's crazy. It's I'm going to need to get thing. one of those. Yeah.
1: We can make, we can make that happen. Yeah? I know a guy. All right. Guy. <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: well, man, this is a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Let's, let's let this be the first of a, let's, I want a verbal binding agreement. When you come to Vegas, it means you're on Action Junkies. Deal. At I least can... every other time. <laughs> All right. We can
1: make that happen.
0: All right, George. Do your thing. I want people to know who you are, so I'm going to let the Lord... Oh, I like that. For a yeah, let the that's Lord... That's John Orlando. Yeah, football. that's me. Hey, that's and that guy. this yeah. is the end of the show. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, yeah.